This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, bringing you the best of my Times Radio show. Don't forget, you can listen live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1, on your DAB radio, on your smart speaker, or download the Times Radio app. And wherever you're listening, do post reviews, because it's always nice to hear from you, the good and the bad. Post nice reviews on the Apple Podcast thingy. Or uh, if you've got any complaints, just email me direct, matt at times.ready. But always nice to hear from me. Right, <laughs> a slightly strange episode of the podcast today. We Obviously, it's Wednesday. We'll bring you PMQs unpacked. But if you were listening a couple of weeks ago, for reasons that will become clear, Tim Shipman and I ended up doing impressions of Zippy and George from Rainbow. So we've done the obvious thing for our very serious coverage of the uh, events going on in the House of Commons. And uh, this week's review of PMQs it comes from Tim Shipman and Zippy from Rainbow. So that's coming up. That's a real treat coming up for you in just a moment. First, though, some serious analysis of the news from The Columnists. The Columnists with Ali Burt, Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton on Times Radio. And they're both here today, so we very, very good. Uh, hello to Alice Thompson. Hello, Alice. Morning. And we say hello to Robert Crampton. Hello, Matt. Now, we've got some housekeeping to deal with, first of all, um, because, Alice... Uh, you weren't here last week, Bob. No, last week. I was Alice, in Lanzarote. Uh, I bought them both some Toblerone. You bought some Toblerone. So, uh, where's mine? Well, <laughs> we're about to get an explanation of this because the the Toblerone that you bought it because two weeks ago you did you joined us live from an airport. I said pick it up, up a Toblerone. I was literally sitting underneath the Toblerone. Actually. So you bought us a Toblerone, and then uh, it's been in the office. Uh, anyway, now they've it, it's it's reached breakfast. 617, I just want to record, as ever, my total admiration for Times Radio listeners. Mm. That we, we, you know, we discover a Toblerone, a three-quarters eaten Toblerone in the office and wonder aloud mm. who possibly could have been eating it. Yeah. And, of course, people know. Apparently, Chorley mentioned a Toblerone last Wednesday. Pip has said the same thing. He was eating it on air the other day. <laughs> Come on, guys, you should know better. Food in the workplace is always Matt Chorley. <laughs> And uh, someone else has texted to say it's Matt Chorley's table. So, well done, everyone. The, the, I thought it was going to be a Sherlock Holmes-style investigation, and actually, we solved it in seven minutes, thanks to Times Radio listeners, so congratulations. Well, it's not partially eaten now. It's all gone, because Asma Mir had the last bit of it. So, I'm sorry, Robert. 
Uh, yeah, I don't think it was Matt Chawley's table. I don't think it was my table. Well, no, I think it was a joint. Was it a joint? It table? was joint. Oh, okay. but actually, Matt had a really bad hangover. Alice, Alice, you've got children. You know it was a mistake. If you were going to break, we should have bought. We should have had one each. Two. I should yeah. have bought two. Now, actually, I don't even like Toblerone, so I'm not offended. Now, all I'm going to say is, Alice went to an airport, came back with a gift, Robert. You went yeah. to Lanzarote. I brought some biscuits, because um, they were called Bad Toro, which I quite liked. Yeah, and where are they? They're, I, I gave them out on my desk downstairs to you-know-who. Yeah. Oh, I see, trying to keep her sweet so she doesn't make you dress up again. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, they, so they've gone. <laughs> Sorry. You love them more. I should have bought some more biscuits. Did you, did you leave them in the same fridge where they put the um, the world's most expensive chocolate? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. They were, they never made it to the fridge. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, that's... Well, anyway, thank you, Alice. We appreciate... I pre- well, everyone else there, but I've had a tiny bit. Also, to be clear, I wasn't hungover. <laughs> I thought you'd had the awards the night before. We did have the awards the night before. Did you win something? No, we didn't win anything. Oh, travesty. But we, so we, we, we drowned our sorrows right. as a team last week. Anyway, let's not, let's not dwell on that. Let's talk about John Major. Mm. Hurrah, said the nation. So John Major made a speech last night saying, uh, basically criticising the criminal justice system. He said, we're told prison works, and to the extent it holds the worst of criminals in custody, it does. But I do not believe our justice system is well served if it also imprisons those who could be better punished by non-custodial mm. sentences. Even to use the word rehabilitation is taken by many as code for being soft on crime, for being gullible. A do-gooder who cares more for the villain than the victim. Um, I mean, interesting. I mean, people are saying this is the first time he's said anything on this area since he stopped being Prime Minister. But mm. also, it, it's a debate we don't re- we haven't really had from either side. I mean, if anything, on criminal justice the last few months, we've basically had a, an arms race between Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak. Who's it's usually a race to the bottom as to who yeah. can be most macho about it. And it's been going on for years. Remember Michael Howard with his prison works and all the rest of it. Yeah. Rory Stewart tried to uh, institute some reform and he was uh, that was chucked out by Johnson. Yeah. Uh, I think John, John Major, this was Prison Reform Trust he was yeah. speaking to, and he goes up in my estimation every time he opens his mouth since he stopped, stopped being Prime Minister. Actually, he's completely right. We're the, most, we're the highest jail uh, proportion of uh, people in jail in Western Europe. Uh, 43,000 people sent to prison last year, only 40% of whom had committed a violent offence. Those people need to be in prison. Some of them for a very, very long time, some of them forever. But the other 60%, it is uh, at least arguable, which is what he was saying, yeah. that, they, that that's doing them any, that, that is the best solution either for them or for, the, or for society because their lives fall apart, they become more habituated to criminal behaviour and it, far from rehabilitating them, it might make them more likely to reoffend. Yeah, he so. says that in some cases, care and medical attention are called for mm. rather than for prison. He said, moreover, should low-level drug offenders, street dealers, for example, mm. who are highly likely to be of limited intelligence as well as being addict, addicts themselves, should they be sentenced to mm. prison or given an appropriate community sentence? To be blunt, my suspicion is that many short sentences are pointless and that a non-custodial sentence will be more effective and perhaps more fair. But, Alice, um, being effective and fair doesn't necessarily win you votes. No, and that's why he didn't say it when he was Prime Minister. The problem is it doesn't. But having been around Wormwood Scrubs last year when I was doing an interview with Charlie Taylor, who's the Chief Inspector, you realise just what appalling conditions they're in. And that particularly post-COVID, that they're locked up for 23 hours a day, a lot of them still. And that is really, I think, unacceptable. I think to have these people locked up for so long with nothing to do, very few of them now get out to have any sort of education. The libraries mm. are all being wound down. And there isn't any rehabilitation. And that's what we need. We don't want people coming out who are floundering, who, as John Major says, that you lose your family, you lose your jobs. You're losing so much of your life. And also <coughs> other families are being affected. 
and workplaces are being affected, as he said. So we should care more about this, really. And I think the, the, the good thing about Major saying it is that this is often identified with kind of woolly liberalism. Mm. Uh, and it's not. It's actually kind of hard-headed and efficient uh, policy to keep people uh, who don't need to be in prison out of prison uh, so they can get the treatment they need and that their lives don't collapse to the point where they crime becomes their 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 option. No. I think we have uh, this view that they're all sitting there on their iPads because mm. that's very much what we're told every time they get anything at all. It's yeah. like you know. I've uh, I've done a bit of a couple of talks in prison up in Leeds. What oh, really? army? Uh, what was called army prison? And what strikes you there is that uh, people in the, the majority of people there were were quite pathetic individuals. They were lacking in intelligence, they were lacking in motivation, they weren't kind of in any way, you know, far from being criminal masterminds, mm. they weren't even, uh, uh, they, I don't want to be rude, but they were sort of people who obviously needed help rather yeah. than punishment. Also, they're just not getting enough education, so a lot of them can't mm. read, a lot of them Quite. haven't got the kind of skills that they should have been picking up yeah. at school and have actually, I think, been damaged by the system yes. and actually need help rather than anything else. But it's interesting your point about how it's unusual coming from it, but the, the trouble is John Major's now in this position where he is dismissed as woolly, liberal, Ramona, centrist dad, even though that wasn't well, at all what he was no, like that was, he was I, well, That's not fair. Yeah. No, that's not fair. I mean, I think he's... he's, he's doing a very good job of being an elder statesman, actually. He intervened on when the proroguing of Parliament, I, I remember, uh, when uh, Johnson was trying that. And I think his, his contributions are always measured. Uh, so, to, to, I mean, you can call him names if you want, but he's, he's palpably right about this. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. We'll see. Well, we haven't really had any political reaction yet, so we'll, we'll see if it gets picked up and whether or not Alex Chalk... I mean, Alex Chalk sort of tethered himself today into Suella Bravman's tough-on-migration stuff in the in a piece for The Times today. He's the new Justice Secretary. We'll be interested to see. He he definitely... I would, I imagine, knowing his politics a bit, he probably does agree with John Major. Really? Well, because mm. he's, he's definitely, you know, he's, uh, uh, he's on the left of the Tory party. Right. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if he feels able to, to to address it. And see what the Labour Party says. Yeah. Mm. Alice, let's talk about your column today um, because uh, it's about some good news, actually. There's been a breakthrough on two Alzheimer's drugs. But um, you talk about how your your dad died just before Christmas. His two decades he was living with dementia. And it's, I mean, anyone who's come across, had any personal experience with it, knows what it's like, the slow, slow decline of people. And the, this, this news is that these drugs might slow that decline. Yes, there are meant to be 21 million people in the country who actually have a close relative or friend Amazing, yeah. who has got dementia. So it involves a lot of people and, in, and it is very, very difficult watching someone decline and, and watching them lose their memory and their senses. And I was describing my father who the last two decades um, was still incredibly charming and kind and we were very lucky because a lot of people can become more violent when they get Alzheimer's. And he wasn't, he was very gentle, but also, it was very, very difficult because you never really knew when you said goodbye to him, when you had that last proper conversation. He lost all ability to communicate in the end. And he also just lost the ability to swallow. He didn't understand how to swallow anymore. And, and I think a lot of people have this, this go through this same process with a parent or with a partner. And there are 450,000 carers in the country for people with Alzheimer's and dementia. So a lot of people are affected by this. So this drug should be very good news. I mean, the, the latest one is even more effective. 34% of people on this trial found that this drug from Lilly Pharmaceuticals actually delays 
the process of dementia, which would really help, particularly with people who get it in their 50s or 60s. And um, the point that you make in the column, Alice, is that, is that there's clearly a, a health uh, um, reason for, for doing these, rolling out these drugs. There's a, there's a sort of moral reason, you know, if we can help people. But also there's a me- massive economic impact. If we can delay the onset of these illnesses, both that person could possibly carry on working, but certainly they're carers who have to give up work or retire early. Yeah, even just being pragmatic about it. Yeah. One in three hospital beds uh, taken up with people who've got some kind of neurological degenerative disease. So it would really help the NHS out. It would also help the care homes where over Mm. half people have some sort of Mm. degenerative um, mental health issues. So it it would Mm. definitely change. And the carers, so, you know, the carers, quite often they're retired, but the ones who aren't, you have to give up your job. You're giving up a lot of your life. You're giving up everything else that you could be doing. So if we can find a way of mm. doing this, and, and at the moment we spend so much more on cancer drugs and actually dementia is costing us more on the NHS. It's interesting, those mm. stats about how much we spend on cancer versus other illnesses um, yeah. is, is amazing. And yeah. it's, it's sort of that thing that cancer has become sexy, you know, as a thing to raise money for, as a thing to talk yes. about, as to spend money on. Yeah. Um, uh, in a way that other illnesses, which have much, you know, often lo- much longer term impacts. Well, yes, and the success of cancer treatments uh, impacts on the fact that, I mean, more people survive to an older yeah. age and therefore are more likely to get uh, Alzheimer's yeah. or some form of dementia. Uh, yeah, a million people, I think you said, with half a million carers, that's a big chunk of the population yeah. lost to the... Lost, I mean, like you say, being pragmatic about it, the loss to the workforce. Uh, there was an interesting piece in Patrick Kidd's diary the other day about Barbara Windsor going to see uh, Johnson when he was Prime Minister, mm. when she was... Uh, campaigning for Alzheimer's and he said uh, well this is all very important we must have, we'll, we'll have a new tax to pay for it all, to pay for it all and as she was leaving that an aide rushed up to her and said please don't mention to anybody what what Boris Johnson <laughs> said about the new tax but because uh, he was just chucking out chucking out promises to keep people sweet as, you do as surprise you. me uh, but it might be an idea mightn't it it might be an idea to have I mean it's it, it, clearly there has to be some sort of rebalancing between uh Cancer and the cardiac was the other one, I think, mm. and, and Alzheimer's, which is... Uh, the problem is, a, until recently, there hasn't been any well, idea that we'd get a cure. So I think that's why people are well, worried. Well, yeah. with cancer, you're more likely to find... And it was interesting yeah, and it, and it's about a, how... you say, Was it Pfizer have stepped away, had mm. stepped away from doing research because they didn't think they were making any progress? I think there was so much controversy mm. about what actually causes Alzheimer's, which mm. there still is. Um, although I think now they're making so many more breakthroughs, it's worth actually putting the money into it. And I hope that, that you know, as, as well as individual contributions, I did a marathon, mm. my mm. daughter, to try and um, raise money I for it was a half Alzheimer's. Marathon. Half, well, yeah, yeah well, we have I to know, exaggerate a bit. That, a bit upgrade. The half time brain. Actually, I think it was, <laughs> which I didn't get. It was one of those ultra-marathons, actually. Oh, right, an yeah. Iron Woman. Double Iron Woman. Um, interesting, talking about John Major and what people do after, after they leave office, David Cameron's really picked this up, hasn't he? He's president of the Alzheimer's Research... Yes, he has too. So they all promise. Actually, in office, they do promise to do something about Alzheimer's, but it very rarely translates into any kind of policy. Mm. And one of them would be to do something about care homes, but this would be a much better way to actually delay the process of Alzheimer's until Mm. people are in their very last years. Well, I've never quite understood. This might be really naive of me, but I've never quite understood why governments leave it to pharmaceutical companies to do all the research on new treatments. Why 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 don't we have our own lab? Yes. That's interesting, that. Well, if you look at what happened with COVID, that's what you need with Alzheimer's. You yeah. need a really concerted effort, which would be public and private. Is it because it's so phenomenally expensive that you well, need the I commercial guess, imperative? Yeah. And that's a, 
Yes, I suppose so, but uh, there might be some sort of halfway yeah. where you could you could at least. But then, if we own the IP, then we could the government. Mm. You know, the, the state, if the state mm. developed the drugs, then yeah. we could. I mean, I know it sounds a bit sort of statist for the government to be kind of nationalising pharmaceuticals, but uh, they could possibly yeah. get involved, even at a kind of micro level. Yeah, of giving yeah, yeah. Out, I mean, getting, I guess they do give out grants and so on, but. Uh, it always seems a bit hit and miss to entrust it to uh, an American company that needs to that needs to make a profit. Well, it goes back, you know, there's been the argument about, but well, actually there has now been a breakthrough on malaria, oh, yeah. but that's down to Bill Gates putting his hand mm-hmm. in his pocket. But, you mm-hmm. know, the, we could develop a, a, a vaccine against COVID because there was a huge global, you know, there's going to be a huge market for it. It's actually the market for yeah. malaria, unless Bill Gates is going to pay for it, it's much yeah. less. Yeah. But, but the market co- for dementia is huge. So yeah. You've got 50 million people, yeah, you worldwide. Any, you know, being yeah. really cynical about it, there's a weird incentive there. Uh, right, well, um, uh, up next, I want to talk about, in fact, coming on from talking about COVID and the pandemic, apparently the Japanese have just have forgotten how to smile. So we're going to have a lesson in smiling. Uh, Richard Lloyd Parry, the Times Asia editor, is going to do us that. Um, I should also say that uh, Daryl Morris, who's here overnight on uh, Saturday and Sunday, 10 till 1, uh, he says, I must confess, I had a block of the Toblerone at the weekend. It was a few <laughs> minutes. It was a few minutes before going on air. I needed a sugar hit. It took. I took one for the team. No regrets. I think you took one for the no, team. You no, took one not, for yourself. That's the opposite of taking one for yeah. the team. You just I think Mariella to- had some too as well. You think Mariella's yeah. had some? This is why it's none left. Now, when was the last time that you smiled? People in Japan apparently have forgotten how to smile and they're taking lessons. Richard Lloyd Powers, the Times' is Asia editor, joins us live from Tokyo to explain why. Richard, what's going on? Well, it's all a bit strange, Matt. I mean, uh, the, the the evidence is that people, some people anyway, have forgotten how to smile. Smile therapists, smile teachers, and they apparently existed before the pandemic, although I think that's another story, are reporting that their business is booming and some local governments are holding classes for people who are wary about taking off their masks because the the lower part of their face that's been covered for all this time has lost the knack of of, of smiling. So make of it what you can. It's rather hard to tell whether it's true or not because people are still wearing their masks in very large numbers. I saw there was a survey recently that said that 62% of people in Japan are still wearing masks, even though nobody is asking them to. I was going to say, they don't have to, they're just choosing to do that. They are. I mean, people used to wear masks anywhere a bit in the winter, Yeah. Uh, you know, when they had colds. It's a kind of way of permanently having your hand over your mouth when you cough. You know, it's a courtesy to other people. But, I mean, this is way more than, than, than that ever was. You go out and people walking their dogs on their own in the park in the open air are still wearing masks. Um, so go on then. What, 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 what's some of the advice for the, the lessons in smiling? Yeah, it gets quite technical. Um, one of the exercises I heard about is uh, you get a straw. Yeah. And I, th- I think that means like a straw for a drink yeah, rather than the sort of straw that peasants so have we've sticking all got into one. their mouths. We've all got a straw. And where do we put okay. it? Okay. So you put it, uh, you put it in your mouth. Yeah. You hold it in your lips. What? Right? Sideways. Now this is... Like you're sucking or sideways? No, no, you're not sucking it. You're, you've got it uh, horizontally oh, right. held between your lips. So it's sticking <laughs> out on either side. I have to say, I'm not a smile therapist, so I take no responsibility mm-hmm. for what happens now. But then this where is there's a bit blame, I don't this quite goes understand. wrong. Where there's blame, there's a claim, Richard. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right. And what am I you supposed just, to do with this? Not then, you, then you raise you raise the the sides of your lips up. I, I'm sorry, I, I don't know what good that does either. But They're looking back. See bad. how it goes and see how you smile. Oh, we're doing it now. I don't know if I. Yeah. You look like Les Dawson. Thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm, with, I'm a with bit a worried about that. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> with all the Toblerone eating, isn't that terrible for your teeth? Wouldn't mm. that discourage you from well, smiling anyway? I'd like to have had some of the Toblerone, Richard, but it seems to be eaten by other people. And how long are we right. supposed to do this biting on a, on a straw for? Uh, there again, you'd, you'd have to go to professionals. But you know, as a guess, I think I think it's probably like it's probably like Kegels. You know, you do them wherever you can. Right. Um, you know, in the bus queue. Mm. You know, just what's as much Kegels? As Should I know what that is? Uh, you probably should, Matt. But I, I can't. I'm not going to tell you. Is it like pelvic floors? Is it pelvic, is it pelvic yeah. floors? Pelvic floors. Uh, yes. He knows yeah. nothing. If you thought about becoming a, a medical <laughs> expert, which is. Uh, no, that's never crossed my mind. Perhaps with your endorsement, I'll... Inadvertently, Richard, we are all smiling more as a result of your, your straw exercises. All but the not, pelvic well, floor. I'm, I'm delighted to hear that. <laughs> but not when the actual straws were inserted, because you can't really do much, can it's you? It's difficult. Yeah, you certainly can't present... I sound like Zippy. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Zippy's turned up early. Richard, well, uh, I, I was yeah, I was worried when you said you're going to stick it down your throat. Yes, yeah, so I won't. I won't do that. Um, Richard, uh, the award-winning uh, Asia editor of the Actual <laughs> Times. Thanks very much for coming on and giving us a lesson <laughs> on how to bite on a straw. Uh, thank Keep you, Richard. Uh, <laughs> there we are. Well, I feel like, I feel like we've all learned something today. Alice Thompson and Robert Crampton, they're smiling their way through the review of the news. And you can read the stories we were discussing. Just hit the links in the podcast description. And don't forget to subscribe to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next is PMQ's Unpacked with Zippy from Rainbow. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. You're listening to the Redbox Podcast now. It's time for this. PMQ's Unpacked on Times Radio. Unpacking the politics and cutting through the crossfire. Order, order. I call Matt Chorley and Tim Shipman. And we say hello to Tim Tim Shipman, Chief Political Commentator of the Sunday Times. Tim, how are you? I'm fine. I'm still reeling from Craig Oliver saying we shouldn't treat politics like it's a, a sports match. So uh, <laughs> here we are. Here we are. And here we are, Tim, with a very one, special guest. One of my heroes. Now, we need to... Let's, let's roll back. This is what happened the other day when we were doing PMQ's Unpacked. Dan on the YouTube channel says, when Keir Starmer speaks, you hear Michael Howard, I hear Zippy from Rainbow. 
I thought, I thought Kestel was very good. What did you think, George? Well, I, I think that we should see that did his best to sort of try and combat that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, Zippy. I always defer to you because I'm a bit frightened of you. <laughs> so, that's what happened the other day. Somebody on the YouTube channel, get on the Times Radio YouTube channel because you're going to want to watch this. Uh, said that Kiss Thomas sounded like Zippy. I did my impression of Zippy. <sighs> but, uh, and you, yours was very good, your impression of uh, Some people George. said my George morphed into Ken Clark. Well, well you know. to be happy with that. Um, but we are now joined, live in the studio, live on Times Radio and the Times Radio YouTube channel, by actual Zippy from Rainbow. Hey, yes, it's me. <laughs> oh, it's very nice to be here on Times Radio. Right, it's lovely to have you here, uh, live on Times Radio, Zippy. Um, Zippy, how do you feel about being compared to Keir Starmer? Well, I don't mind, I suppose. I mean, I don't do much politics, you see, not in the Rainbow House, no. But I, I don't mind. He's a nice chap, I suppose. But he doesn't really sound like me, I don't think. I don't, I'm not sure uh, I, I totally agree with that either. Um, more importantly, what do you think of Tim's impression of George? Well, he's, it was a good try. I'll give it a <laughs> five out of ten. Oh, yes, five. Yes. How do you feel about that, Tim? I'm, I'm delighted. Oh, good. Thank you. That's nice. <laughs> so, are you familiar with PMQs, uh, Zippy? Uh, well, not really, no. Jeffrey, you know, he was our uh, our uh, minder on Rainbow. He sometimes looked at it, I think, or listened to it. But no, I, I don't. It's all a lot of men talking and ladies talking. I, I don't know what about. I know it's politics, but... I don't know politics myself. Well, we're going to find out. We're going to oh, find out. Oh, good. Uh, there's, uh, uh, there's no shortage of bungles in politics, of course. <laughs> oh, you are clever. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few bungles. I've heard that, yes. Um, uh, you're, you're loving this uh, content on the YouTube channel. Um, uh, Terry's in Liverpool. Uh, someone says a lot more sense from Zippy than from Sunak. Uh, this is far better than Hugh Bonneville talking to Kermit and Miss Piggy the other night. Oh, thank you. Do you get on with Kermit or was he your, your big rival? Yeah, no, he's not, he's not a big rival. No, he's all right, really. I don't see him very often because he's in America a lot of the time, you know. Similar wide mouth. Um, uh, yes. Simon says, how does Zippy say people? Because this is how it all started because the way that Keir oh. Simon says... Well, could you just say the word people? I will Wor say the word people. Work, What's wrong with that? Working people? Working people. <laughs> is that all right? <laughs> Somebody's already texted in saying this is infantile. Oh, is it? Oh, well, yes, you see, I was preschool, you know, on the day. I mean, let's but be I, honest, I, if I, it I isn't that, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, that's good. <laughs> here we go, then. Uh, let's go live, then, to the House of Commons. PMQ's unpacked with Tim Shipman and Zippy. Uh, we go live to the House of Commons for question number one from Keir Starmer. Starmer. <laughs> Can I thank all those who took part in the coronation celebrations over the weekend? And can I also take this chance to wish all the very best to my brilliant and talented constituent, May Muller, who is representing the UK at Eurovision in Liverpool this weekend. The whole country is behind you, May. Now, Mr Speaker... This time the whole last Commons week, is behind her. The Prime Minister had to correct the record on misleading claims he made about employment numbers. Can he provide a further update? Now he's cost a thousand Tory councillors their jobs. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Speaker. 
Mr. Mr. Speaker, let me pass on my best wishes to May as well for this weekend Eurovision. Uh, with regard to the local elections, Mr. Speaker, maybe I can just offer the honourable gentleman a tiny bit of advice from one of his predecessors. From one of one, one of his predecessors, one of one of his predecessors, Tony Blair, who I was reading the other day. To, what did Tony Blair? He said he said the right honourable gentleman can be as cocky as he likes about the local elections. Come a general election, policy counts. And and we know, Mr Speaker, uh, uh, the the problem for him is he doesn't have any. Oh, wow. Thank goodness uh, the the week we've bought Zippy in from Rainbow, it's going to be a knockabout PMQ. Absolutely. At least they're writing themselves amazingly clever jokes like, he doesn't have any. <laughs> Your mum. <laughs> what did you think of that exchange? She's fat. What, what I mean, th- what, I mean, frankly, what? What? <laughs> what did you think of that exchange, Zippy? Well, not a lot, really. I mean, they're just shouted at each other, aren't they? I mean, I, I think they should be polite, like me. Occasionally rude, but not, 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 not always. <laughs> now, I, I, I thought um, we shouldn't we shouldn't overlook the uh, heroic attempts by Keir Starmer to align himself with uh, Eurovision. Yes, actually, that's rather good. I'm going to watch it. Yes, Saturday night, I'm going to see who wins. Yeah, I quite like all that singing because it's performing, isn't it? It's what I do. Do you, do you sing, Zippy? Uh, yes, but I'm not going to sing here because I need a backup group. Right, you okay, see. Yeah, I bear that, yeah. that in mind. I mean, it's just as well Theresa May isn't in the chamber, isn't it? Because Starmer said, you know, the whole country was behind May, and that's the first time that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we should explain the thing that um, the the the, uh, the 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 lead up to Keir Starmer's question was about how uh, Rishi Sunak was forced to issue a correction after wrongly claiming there were record numbers of people in work. Uh, he made the gaff at PMQs, and uh, it was pointed out to him that he'd been out by more than a hundred thousand. Uh, so he has now corrected the record, and the clarification has been made. Rishi Sunak said. Um, and then he went on to make a joke about a thousand I think Boris Johnson kept making the same claim and also kept having to correct it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so he said a thousand Tory councillors are now out of their jobs. So that's added to the... Ba-boom. Ba-boom, ba-boom. And then uh, he said... Uh, and then, uh, and then um, uh, yeah, Tony Blair, Tony Blair gave a helpful interview this week saying that basically Keir Starmer shouldn't get... Too it's a bit like the George Osborne interview a couple of weekends ago, isn't it? Where um, Starmer then spent a fortnight quoting George Osborne. Um, a slightly yeah. less helpful George than uh, Zippy's over there. No. No, he's not very helpful, is he? I don't know who you're talking about. But I like my George, occasionally. We do get on quite well. Anyway, you better carry on, because this is politics. This is politics. <laughs> this is rubbish, says oh, Mike. Oh. Actually, PMQs are quite important for the country. Get a grip, Matt. Well, let's find out as these serious matters get thrashed out again with question two from Keir Starmer. The Prime Minister said he was going to lose a 1,000 seats, and then he managed it. After 13 years, a Tory promise they actually haven't broken. And and this is the Prime Minister who's only had to fight for two things in his life. Last year, he lost a Tory beauty contest to the member for South West Norfolk, who then lost to a lettuce. Last week, when he finally came into contact with voters, he lost everywhere. No matter who the electorate is, the Prime Minister keeps entering a two-horse race and somehow finishing third. (laughs) Given his track record, who does he think he's actually got a mandate from? (laughs) Mr 
Mr. Speaker, it's a bit rich to hear about mandates from the person who's broken every single promise he was elected on. I mean, go through the list, Mr. Speaker. Nationalisations, NHS outsourcing, universal credit, and now tuition fees. He was, Mr. Speaker, he was for them all before he was against them. He's not. He's not just the softy. He's the flaky too. Well, thank God that it got serious anyway. Yeah, the PMQs is important for the country. It too. really is. Yeah. So softy becomes so flaky. I mean, it's... it's, it's a, did you, you like that? Oh, I did like that because I used to have a chocolate, I think, called flaky or flake or something. Right. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Um, <laughs> uh, it's interesting, this argument... I actually had this out with, with, with some of the ministers who came on on the, on the local election night. Tories attacking Keir Starmer for breaking promises made during a leadership contest is pretty rich when Rishi Sunak's dropped, I think, all the ones that he made during his run for the Well, leadership. it works both ways, doesn't yeah. it? I mean, Starmer had a go, you know, he was the one who brought it up and um, it was pretty obvious what Sunak was going to come back with. Um, the, the, the second part of Starmer's thing is a lot cleverer, though, and it goes back to what we were talking about last week, this whole thing about... Um, uh, him going now on Sunak being out of touch and sort of saying this bloke is a pampered fellow who's never had to fight for a thing in his life and when he did you know he, he lost to a woman who lost to a lettuce and um uh you know um i think uh, uh, the labor attack unit um can be pleased with its uh, two horse race finishing third gag um shout out for mr paul ovenden i suspect i suspect you might be right. he one. is the gag uh, he is the gag writer your favorite ice cream zippy oh it's uh it's called a five no what's it called where do you 55 or something like that it's white ice cream with a chocolate flake not, yeah very good very good yeah. oh there we are it's coming, it's coming right now. We'll get you a 99 in a minute. Oh, thank you. I like a 99. They're bigger. <laughs> <laughs> this is Matt Chorley, still extraordinarily on Times Radio with Tim Shipman and Zippy from Rainbow, bringing you PMQs and Pat. We go back to the House of Commons for question number three. Well, Mr Speaker, I can understand why the Prime Minister's trying to wish away his terrible results, but peddling nonsense just doesn't work. Up and down the country, people want the government to focus on the cost of living, but he's got no answers. Is he planning to carry on as if nothing happened and ignore the message he was sent last week? Or is he going to do what a Labour government would do and announce an immediate freeze in council tax bills? Mr Speaker, Mr Speaker, I know, I know he's asked his Labour councillors rightly to focus on the cost of living. Perhaps they could start with reducing council tax to the level in Conservative-run areas. Mr Speaker, we're, we're getting on with halving people's energy bills, freezing fuel duty to help them with the cost of living. What is stopping him having a plan is that, unfortunately, his shadow chancellor recently said she's discovered she's got a problem, Mr Speaker. She realised she realized that she actually, this is what she said, she actually has to shock horror, say where the money's going to come from. And, and with, with a, with, with a £90 billion black hole in her plans, she's got a lot of work to do. So it's interesting there. That might be the first time we've had Keir Starmer actually talking about what a Labour government would do rather than just talking about uh, what's, what's wrong with what the Conservative government Well, doing. I think that's probably true. And his goal now, of course, is to look like a government in waiting. Yeah. The reason they came straight out of the local elections and said... Labour will win a majority. Frankly, you look at the numbers, that's not, that's, that's not 
case proven at the, at the moment based on what happened last week. But their decision was get straight out of the blocks. We've got the coronation coming up. If we say we're going to win the election, that'll be the thing ticking across everybody's TV screens. And the more you talk about it, um, the theory is, the more likely people will sort yeah. of buy into that and go with it. And particularly in Scotland, where their argument has to be, stop voting SNP to punish the wicked Tories, vote, start voting Labour, because then you're going to have a Labour government in London. So looking like you're going to win is quite important um, in that context. So you'll get more of that. Um, and then we had an argument about black holes, um, which from the party that brought us a £72 billion black hole uh, last year, um, you know, we're once again into a series of people standing in shattered is glass new, houses. Is that a new figure, £90 billion black hole? Well, if it, well, if it is, it wasn't flagged up enough. Um, yeah. And if it, it, you know, we'll be hearing it again, I'm sure, but... Um, um, the, uh, uh, I was just having a look. Yes, well, they've, they, oh, it's been fact-checked. Oh. Conservative estimates, this was uh, last month, estimated that Labour plans would create a £90 billion black hole. Uh, fact checks that it was not a reliable estimate of what a Labour government would actually mean for public finances. It's unclear if Labour still Well, plans. to be honest, most of the OBR estimates are fairly unreliable as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, you can chuck whatever numbers around you like. So I think it, it seems to be that because they've just added up all of Labour's various announcements, but uh, even fact check aren't sure which of those announcements Labour still remain committed to. Uh, quite. Uh, Mike says, Starmer's little self-congratulatory laugh, so actually quite similar to Zippy's. There are layers to this. What do you think, Zippy? Should you laugh at your own jokes? Yeah, well, no, I'd ever laugh at... Well, I do actually laugh at my own jokes. If nobody else laughs, so I suppose the same with care, isn't it? I mean, if nobody laughs at his jokes, he's got to laugh at himself, hasn't he? There was a time when Labour whips were encouraged to laugh at... Uh, encouraging their own MPs to laugh at Starmer's jokes. I don't know whether we're still into that or whether it's now a, a spontaneous uh, experience in the chamber. Oh, uh, I hope it's spontaneous. I'm spontaneous. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the House of Commons. This is question number four from Keir Starmer. It's just me. There's only one party that broke the economy and they're sitting right there. Um, uh, uh, and it seems to me, seems to me, to quote one of his more electorally successful predecessors, Nothing has changed. Still blaming other people, still refusing to take the necessary action, still not listening to the country. And on council tax, it's quite simple. A Labour government would give every council the grant they need to freeze those bills, fully paid for by ending the handouts he's giving to oil and gas giants. So I ask him again. Now his plan has been utterly rejected. Why won't he do the same? Mr. Speaker, just a quick, a quick history lesson. While he was busy, while he was busy softening sentences 13 years ago, let me just remind him what we inherited. It was the largest deficit in the G7 from Labour. Higher unemployment. The coffers were totally empty, and it didn't stop there, Mr. Speaker. After that, they wanted a longer lockdown, and now, now. They won't even oppose the picketers and the protesters, Mr Speaker. Even in opposition, they're damaging the economy. That was the greatest hits uh, Mm. uh, from both sides. You're the ones who broke the economy. Um, uh, He was softening sentences 13 years years ago. ago. So that's that's a classic. Largest deficit since the G7. Uh, Tory MPs weren't quite sure whether or not to cheer that. No. They sort of agreed with sort the point. Of, we but... like the point, but it, we're not sure deficits are and a great then, thing. And then we're back a to... A longer lockdown. We'd still be in lockdown if it was up to Keir Starmer. All, we, all that was missing was you back Jeremy Corbyn. Um, I don't think the lockdown point 
you know, has any great traction with the public. Um, ironically, the Corbyn point did have a little bit of traction with it. Um, I wondered when we'd hear about picketers and protesters, because, of course, there's legislation going through at the moment, yeah. and there's a big question about whether Labour are going to back it. Starmer was pretty equivocal about, you know, should the um, anti-monarchy protesters have been picked up the other day, um, and he was sort of saying the bill needs time to bed in. Um, but, yeah, I mean... <laughs> What can you say? This government has presided over a rather difficult period for the economy. Um, clearly, COVID and Ukraine have got something to do with it, but um, the the Tory government made it immeasurably worse last year. Sunak, of course, as I said last week, has been trying to clear that mess up. Um, and then there's the bigger point, that Labour governments tend to leave uh, the economy in a slightly less healthy state than they inherited it. Um, I think unemployment's been higher every time under a Labour government. But there's trade-offs, and... It doesn't feel like what Starmer's sorry, what Sunak is coming out with now is getting much traction, even with his own team in the chamber. To be perfectly honest, yeah, it doesn't feel These like feel like old tired arguments, don't they? Yeah, and it, actually, I suppose if you're Keir Starmer, you could tell your backbenches or at least demonstrate to them that your old tired arguments are working because you've done quite well in the local elections. Whereas those Tory MPs who might have been looking for something new from Rishi Sunak, hearing sort of Boris Johnson's leftovers might not necessarily cheer them. Yeah, it's slightly curious that he doesn't have a better gag writer. The other thing I noticed during that answer was Oliver Dowden, who's sitting a oh, couple of Deputy seats along, looking slightly anxiously, and you could see him thinking, at some point I'm going to have to do this and I'm going to be up against that Angela Rayner. Yeah. And he didn't look like he was relishing the prospect, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> Zippy, yeah. as oh, you're here, yes. Uh, what would you like to have a go at doing PMQs yourself? Oh, yeah, I think I'd be very good. I'd be like, I'll stop all that noise. I want a very nice, polite house of commons, you see. I don't want all that row going on. They sound like little children, don't they, when they shout and scream and all that sort of thing. Anyway, that's my opinion. And who would you who would you least like, if you're the Prime Minister, yeah. who would you least like to go up against the leader of the opposition, Bungle or George? Uh... Oh, I think I'd... Oh, no, I'd, I'd least like to go up with George because I'll be his friend with Bungle. Well, I think I'd have a good time with Bungle. <laughs> oh, at least yes. if things went wrong, Rog, Jane and Freddie could just jump on the dispatch box yeah, and give and us and a... Yeah, sing a, a little song exactly. or three. Yeah. 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 yeah, that'd be nice. This is very strange. It uh, is, isn't it? But it's very nice to be here. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying it being on, in, on this station. The first oh, well, time. I've enjoyed being on this station, and it's a set. Well, maybe your last it's, it's time. Come, as well. It's all going to come to an end today. Uh, this is um, uh, it's delightful the way it's been divided. It's the most divisive issue we've had on the radio since, uh, certainly since Brexit, I think. Uh, some of you are loving it, some of you are hating it. Oh. Um, I can't bear these two five year olds playing out PMQs. It's embarrassing. No wonder you're resorted to gimmicks to try and make the time up. So that's not us. That's, uh, that's uh, John. If it was us or uh, it was Sunak so, and uh, Sama. Some of you are texting in swearing is how much you're enjoying it. Oh, Zippy dear. is out of his depth, says Simon. <laughs> <laughs> that's very unkind. Uh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm still now. I'm all right, actually. Thank you. I think you'd wipe the yeah. floor with Simon, Zippy. On the, uh, <laughs> on the YouTube channel, do join in on the comments on the side. Um, uh, it's basically a toss-up between uh, whether you're, you're more annoyed by Rishi Sunak or Zippy. <laughs> so uh, there we are. Uh, right, let's go back to the House of Commons. There's a question number five from Keir Starmer. God. Is it <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just not listening, is he? Even after the entire country, Mr Speaker, from the Peak District to the Garden of England, rejected his government last week, he still thinks that protecting oil and gas profits is more important than freezing bills. Now, I, I'm sure the Prime Minister must finally have met some working people in recent weeks. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did any of them understand why he insists on protecting his precious non-DOM tax status rather than scrapping it and using the money to train thousands of doctors and nurses? Well, Mr Speaker, he he said that this money would fund the NHS workforce, but that plan was actually looked at by one of his own colleagues recently. Now, Now, that person said that it would discourage doctors and nurses from coming here. And that there was a two billion pound there was a two billion pound shortfall in his sums. Who said that? It was Alistair Darling. He he might remember those days. It's when Labour bankrupted the economy. Oh, is that it? Somebody just said he's not cheering. They're not cheering, Rishi. No, they're not. Are they? I heard that they were all de- other people cheering, but not him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to be, just to be, if you have just tuned in, this isn't a fever dream. Uh, we are. <laughs> We are reviewing PMQs Unpacked live in the studio with Tim Shipman from the Sunday Times and Zippy from Rainbow. Because a couple of weeks ago, uh, some list, uh, a listener got, uh, was watching on the YouTube channel and said that they thought that Keir Starmer sounded a bit like Zippy. And actually, in that last answer, there was a little bit of... There was, wasn't there? Yes, there was a slight sound. It did sound a little bit like me. Yeah. Uh, so there's now a poll running of oh. who is winning PMQs oh. on the YouTube channel. All right. Uh, currently, 7% say Rishi Sunak. 39% say, say Keir Starmer, 59% say Zippy. Oh, great. Thank you, fans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, that was another round the... What, I mean... All about... Alistair Darling, wonderful man, says says Sunak. Yeah. We're going to quote Alistair Darling and yeah. say that whatever he says... Is gospel. Is gospel. And then he says... But he crashed, he the, crashed economy. the economy. So we um, also got oil gas posi- projects. We got uh, so that's non doms. Don't forget the non doms. I mean, there's obviously a perfectly good economic argument against getting rid of the non dom status. It's yeah. rather difficult for old Sunak to make it, given that his wife uh, is uh, has been a beneficiary of it. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's just not, we're not getting to the, the heart of I think any of this, I think basically we? what Tim's trying to say is that we're very pleased that Zippy's here, because otherwise yeah. this would be really dire. Absolutely. I mean, I'm making it all good, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> According to the tone of proceedings, 50% Zippy, I would say. Of, uh, 50% of the listeners. But again, another little sly line from Starm at the start, which is quite clever. You know, I'm sure the Prime Minister's finally met some working people. Yeah. You know, um, a slight call back to him saying... Working people. Uh, the, that uh, you know, there's that famous video of Sunak as a schoolboy saying, you yeah, know, he doesn't got lots know any... of friends, but doesn't know anyone. Well, upper, <laughs> upper class, working pe- class people. upper class people, middle class people, working class, but not working well, not class. Working class. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we didn't, we wouldn't all wish to be condemned for things we'd said at the age of thirteen, but um, it's quite a helpful video for the Labour Party. Zippy for PM says Kevin. Oh, thank you. Can uh, Paul says can Zippy start a new political party, the Bungle Party? Zippy for PM. <laughs> Alistair Dave says, Alistair Darling and Zippy, have we gone back in time? Oh. Have you ever met any politicians, Zippy? No, this is the first time I've had anything to do with politicians, actually. I'm quite liking it. Are you enjoying yourself? Yeah. We might might have to bring you back. Oh, lovely. Um, Particularly if we end up with a rainbow coalition after the next election. Oh, yes, that'll be interesting. (laughs) Wow. Your best work. I've sat on that for (laughs) 25 minutes, that guy. <sighs> it right. worked. It's good. I, I like that. I'm yes. sorry to say, Zippy, uh, yeah. there's no easy way to say this. We've got to go back to the House of Commons for one last exchange. Off you go. Right, here we go. Question number six from Keir Starmer. That is the definition of nonsense. 
Uh, this is the price of having a tired, worn-out government yeah. fronted by a Prime Minister who boasts he's never had a working-class friend. Yeah. He's smiling his way through the cost-of-living crisis, gloating about success while waiting lists grow. He's pretending that crime, house-building, schools are all just doing fine, while handing the country 24 tax rises, all with his name on them. How does he think the Tories can possibly provide the answers Britain needs when the whole country has already told him they're the problem, not the solution? Mr Speaker, the the Honourable Gentleman is right. We all do say some silly things when we're younger. I was a teenager. And he'll he'll know what I'm talking about, because I think in his 40s he was still talking about abolishing the monarchy, Mr Speaker. It's the same old guff from him every week, Mr Speaker. All politics and no action. We're getting on with halving people's energy bills, freezing fuel duty, cutting the costs of coal care and boosting pay. While he's, while he's busy plotting coalitions, we're getting on and delivering for the British people. Well, well that was quite a good ending for Sunak, actually, yeah. after a pretty disastrous half an hour, apart from the chost of childcare, which, yeah. uh, which, childcare. which slipped its way through. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. We've got a sort of turnaround here, haven't we? I mean, Starmer was the guy who everybody said didn't really do politics, wasn't like mm. politics very much, and now you've got the Prime Minister saying that the leader of the opposition is all politics and no action. And he sort of I is... Mean, that, tri- is that, I mean, that is basically the job definition of leader of the opposition. Correct. And, you know, but Sunak obviously wants to sell himself as this, you know, quiet doer of things rather than someone playing games. Um, but, you know, it's interesting if he's sort of almost praising the Labour leader for getting his act together on the politics because a year ago we spent most of our time in these sessions despairing that he was no yeah. good at politics at all. Um, good bit of work from the Tory attack unit there. Um, you know, that Starmer was still muttering about abolishing the uh, monarchy in his 40s. In his 40s, yeah. Good line. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I think you'd probably say that was 5-1 to Starmer, but it was a pretty good one at the end for, for Sunak. So it was in 2001 that... Uh, 2005 that Keir Starmer uh, um, discussed the irony of being appointed a Queen's Counsel, uh, a senior barrister, uh, for a film about the court case he was in. Uh, he boasted of supporting the abolition of the monarchy. Um, and uh, he said, I got made a Queen's Counsel, which is odd, since I often used to propose the abolition of the monarchy. There we go. And actually, it's interesting, when I was talking to a Labour strategist recently, uh, he was making the point that they still need to play the sort of patriotic card. And you've seen around the coronation and around the Queen's funeral uh, and around the war in Ukraine that Starmer makes a big point of trying to sort of fly the flag, um, which the left does not like, uh, finds uncomfortable, um, finds antagonistic even. Um, but they feel that they still need to do that. And actually, you know, if Sunak was being honest again in his responses, he would say, actually, you said we lost all the way up and down the country. We didn't. We gained seats in the Tees Valley and places that, you know, were once traditionally um, uh, Labour strongholds. And in a lot of those working-class leave neighbourhoods, which are uh, pretty patriotic, um, Labour is still struggling. Uh, It did pretty well 
in um, its uh, new heartlands of cities and, and sort of university towns. Uh, Labour were happy because they made some inroads into Brexit-supporting areas and into some of those uh, places where they've not been performing well for a few years. Well, they haven't cracked it completely. Um, part of the reason for that is the sort of is the patriotism thing. Um, I was wondering if that was the first use of the word guff at the uh, same old guff at the dispatch box. But a quick look. Alison Thewlis, the um, SNP MP, seems to use the word guff most weeks. Oh, interesting. And uh, nobody else. And nobody else. No Gladstonian references then. Not, well, I haven't gone that far back. Dizzy Disraeli. We'll, 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 um, we'll, uh... Talking about Gladstone's guff. Now, um, just on... Um... <laughs> Uh, Rishi Sunak smiling his way through the cost of living crisis. We've had that a few times now in line. recent weeks. I wonder whether that's going to end up on a Labour election post. I think it almost certainly will. A um, sort of big cheesy grin. Big cheesy grin. And this is what this bloke's laughing is while you're... This bloke's laughing about, you know, how warm his swimming pool is while you're struggling to afford a price, the cost of bread. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the way to go, isn't it? Talking of smiling, there's nobody who's got a, a wider smile than our special guest so today. Smile oh, in the thank business. you. Uh, have you enjoyed yourself, Zippy? Oh, I've had a great time. Thank you very much. I've learnt a lot as well. Yes, it's very good. I I'll go and tell everybody in the Rainbow House all about it. Oh, yeah. very good. Very good. Yeah, retune the DAB radio in the, in the Rainbow House. Oh, yeah, I do. I, I switch it. Well, Jeffrey turns it on when he's round, but I, I, I know about it now. I can switch it on. Yeah, watch. Now, are we allowed to zip up, Zippy, do you think? Well, you can. Shall I do it myself? Go on, then. you won't be able to reach. You do, you do, you... Oh, I went the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I said it without moving my lips. <laughs> shh, shh. Don't spoil <laughs> the magic at this late stage. Zip him up like we wish we could to all the politicians. Zippy, thank you. Zippy from Rainbow. Thank you for joining us on Times Radio. There we are. Well, we split the audience anyway by having Zippy on to uh, to review PMQs. Uh, Mike says it's incredible that Zippy hasn't aged at all. What's his secret? Botox? Lenore? <laughs> Bill says, I'm too old to know who Zippy was. Could we have Bill and Ben next week, please? Is Zippy related to Alan Carr as well as Keir Starmer, says Sarah? Uh, and then someone else has said on the YouTube channel that we need to have a Will from the Inbetweeners on uh, next week for balance. Because oh. that's uh, what... Um, which is soon next sounds like, apparently. Uh, Tim Shipman's still here. Lara Spirit. Uh, a, a baffled Lara Spirit has okay. joined us. Uh, you've been watching... Um, you've I've been, not been watching Zippy, no. No. You've been watching the best of the rest of PMQs. How was it overall? It was good, yeah. There were some pretty impassioned questions and some pretty robust uh, exchanges uh, in this one, actually, compared to some of the, the previous ones. Um, first one I'm keen to play is obviously Stephen Flynn, Yay! our favourite. Yep, again. Um, the first question, which we won't hear, uh, he was, uh, Richard Tunek was kind of berated by Lindsay Hoyle for asking a question of Keir Starmer over the public order bill, which Stephen Flynn attacked. And of course, uh, Keir Starmer hasn't been totally clear on on what Labour's policy on that uh, would be. So Rishi... They don't uh, like it, but they wouldn't repeal it, seems to be the position. And they're sort of waiting to see what happens yeah. in the outcome of the investigation, and it's actually a very busy thing being in government, and so you can't just repeal everything. Those were the words of yeah. David Lammy. I mean, obviously not exactly the words of David Lammy, but over the weekend. Um, and then uh, there was a question from uh, Stephen Flynn, which I think is interesting because of Rishi Sunak's response on this question, this kind of vexed question of coalitions uh, and whether or not the Liberal Democrats uh, and Labour may well be in coalition soon. So take a listen to this. Mr. Mr. Speaker, what we're talking about here is that nurses strike, doctors strike, firefighters strike, Repub eh, protest, firefighters protest, and of course, of course, Republicans protest as well. And they do so because it's a fundamental right within our democracy to be able 
to protest. So is the Prime Minister seriously saying that moving forward you can have your rights but only on his terms? Mr Speaker, it is also the right of the British public to be able to go about their ordinary day-to-day lives without undue serious disruption. That's why it's right that the police have extra powers. I respect that the Honourable Gentleman disagrees with that, but we think it is right, and people will see every day, every day on TV, their lives being disrupted. They're not able to get to school, to get to hospital appointments, and indeed to get to work. They should be able to do that, and the police should have powers to stop those who are preventing that from happening. I'm not sure that was the most convincing response from Rishi Sunak. The, <clears throat> every day people will see on the TV their day-to-day lives being disrupted. No, I think they're more likely to see their day-to-day <clears throat> lives disrupted in their day-to-day, day-to-day lives. lives. If it's, no, just not what terribly, seeing, if it's just is, what, if it's just what you're seeing on TV, that it perhaps it's not really affecting you. But this is a classic Westminster versus the rest kind of conversation, mm. I think. Um, and I understand why Stephen Flynn, who turned up to the coronation uh, in a... Uh, rather basic suit, um, didn't like the idea of uh, anti-monarchical protesters being rounded up. They can't all be ordered. No, indeed. Not everybody had a custom-made Boudicca outfit uh, uh, made for the occasion. Um, But I think this is one where the punters, they're sick of just stop oil closing motorways and sellotaping themselves to railings and gluing themselves to pictures and chucking orange paint around. And yes, was it overused at the weekend? Probably. Uh, And as Starmer said, you know, these things will find a level. People get used to what's uh, uh, tolerable and what's not. But, um, you know, Labour are not going to repeal this law. um, And I think most members of the public will back him up. As you say, he could have said that more effectively. Also, Laura, um, the Repub- it's the best thing that's happened to a Republic in years. <laughs> being a re- if they just had their damp protest and they'd all gone home, we wouldn't be talking about it now. Yeah, they're having a real moment, uh, aren't they? Not least on Twitter, I think uh, they'll be uh, they'll be drawing a lot of attention to what goes uh, what goes next. And then I think a lot of uh, the Labour base, uh, all their more enthusiastic former supporters who have spent quite a lot of time decrying the broken promises of uh, of Keir Starmer since. I mean, you will have seen that question from that comment from Rishi Sunak. I don't know if you played it uh, about over that kind of mandate and the fact that Keir Starmer has abandoned yeah, yeah. Uh, a vast majority of his leadership uh, pledges. I think uh, you know one of those on this will see uh, a lot of Labour activists be pretty angry at the fact that there's not an out-and-out rejection of this public order bill uh, and a kind of a, a kind of full-hearted commitment to repealing it. I preferred them when there were one republic, to be honest. There were some good tunes. <laughs> you familiar with the work of one republic, Lara? No. Oh, God, we've gone over <laughs> we've gone over an edge head again. It's always happened. Popular, top, top, popular top, beat combo. Popular They're beat only combo. about 10 or 15 years old, aren't they? They're yeah, not, they're not you'll definitely be familiar with their... No, yeah, it's not because of my age. It's their greatest <laughs> hits. The full, full back catalogue. It's your taste for uh, acid jazz and hip-hop that's getting in the way at this point. <laughs> what did you spend your youth doing, love? It wasn't watching Rainbow <laughs> listening to the Republic. I'm so sorry. It's so embarrassing. Dave says, Lara's analysis is great. Thank you, Dave. I mean, we will one day just leave her in here on her own, to be honest. Can I just say, apparently yeah. you said on the radio this morning that I ate all of your Toblerone. No, I said you I've had some of it. I've been asked to raise it. that. I think that's no, outrageous. You, I, no, I said you had some of it, which is correct. I had a tiny nibble. You had a, you had had a block. A you, had a, you had a triangle. I didn't have a whole triangle. Well, you took a whole triangle. I ate half of the little triangle and then put the rest in the bin, but I didn't eat all of it. And it's Well, that's a fact. I, I said you'd had some of it. Right, try this on. <laughs> I do know this. Yeah, that's really reassuring. This is one for public. Really? Mm. See, I'd let them protest if they played this. 
Can we get one Republic into Mars to do PMQs? Do <laughs> <laughs> we chase off of the last few listeners? Well, we could have them up against Republic. We could get them both. That's in. a good see, idea. See who the... One Republic versus Republic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You get a load of down with the crown and then a, a decent sort down of... Down with mid- the kids. Mid-range, you know, <laughs> guitar band going on. Right, never mind, uh, never mind the public order bill. The, the big legislation is causing, uh, which is seen out problems, is in the House of Lords right now, Lara. Yeah, very excited that we're uh, we're going to be able to go to the House of Lords and kind of a special best of the rest edition. House of Lords unpacked. Now, <laughs> interestingly, favorite. Patrick Maguire's reporting, your colleague and mine, mm. that Theresa May has been sitting on the foot of the throne in the Lords, shaking her head in dismay as mm. the Government Minister, Lord Murray, set out the Government's position on the, legal, on the Illegal Migration Bill. Yeah, really interesting. And I mean, I think we'll hear now from uh, the Archbishop who uh, gave, I mean, we already know, obviously, that he is implacably opposed to this flagship piece of uh, of the government's legislation, uh, but made uh, a kind of very, very staunch criticism of it today in the House of Lords and will no doubt, no doubt be joined by other peers. So I think definitely worth listening to this as it, as it rolls on. We didn't actually really hear anything from backbenchers as we predicted on uh, the illegal migration bill. In after, the comments. In the comments yeah, today, yeah. we didn't. I, th- I mean, I think they're, they're very reassured by the government commitment to it. You and know, let the saw, play out the they way. know that yeah, they know that the government, as Tim was saying earlier, really committed to it. So but I mean listen to the Archbishop's words because they're very strong. Yeah, this is the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. It is isolationist. It is morally unacceptable and politically impractical to let the poorest countries deal with the crisis alone and cut our international aid. My lords, this bill is an attempt at a short-term fix. It risks great damage to the UK's interests and reputation at home and abroad, let alone the interests of those in need of protection or the nations who together face this challenge. Tim, the government presumably would be quite happy to have this row with the House of Lords. I think up to a point, yes, because they they do want to do something about this. I mean, you know, well-be speaks for the the morals of the nation good luck to him and i think a lot of people will share his moral view of it i think a lot of people will share his view of the impact on some of those countries and i think a lot of people will share his view of the impact on some of the migrants i think where he's probably out of touch with the public is in terms of its effect on britain and uh, how many people come here and the one thing i think that the government responding to that would dispute is the idea that it's a short-term fix. I think they want this to be a long-term solution, Mm. that you get a system set up where you can have people brought here under proper schemes. Now, those schemes, as we've been reading in the last 48 hours, are total chaos at the moment. They don't work. So the, the the bit that where you're the compassionate bit is not working at the moment, but that doesn't mean the public don't want the tough bit because they do. Um, And the government's view of this is not just that Britain needs to be tough, but that you've got tens of millions of people moving around the world at the moment at a pace that is only going to increase in the decades ahead for various reasons, war and climate um, being uh, the two obvious ones, and that there needs to be some kind of international solution to this. And they hope that they can begin to say things and do things and pass things that are then copied by the other countries in Europe and the other countries elsewhere, and that you then actually have a system that has uh, more chance of actually working. So the one thing I think he's wrong about is to say it's a short-term thing. It may look like that politically and, you know, in terms of the next election, clearly that is the game from the government's point of view. But I think what they want is a a situation where the West as a a collective whole takes a view on this and comes up with something that works. 
Uh, well, we'll see how that pans out. We'll also keep across what's happening in the House of Lords throughout the day here on Times Radio. Uh, that's all we've got time for on PMQ, so thank you to Tim Shipman. Uh, thank you to, to uh, Zippy. Well, thank you for letting me share a studio with Zippy. Uh, and Lama, what time will you be in people's inboxes? 3pm. 3pm with the uh, Times Red Box PMQ's unpacked deadline, email. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the GIF at the top. Yeah, they've been good recently. Yeah, though. well, this one, you know... You've taught me everything. Top, top, top level uh, uh, Zippy content. Somebody just messaged in and said, Lama was clearly lying about not knowing One Republic. That's me. That is that is worse than you accusing me of eating all of your Toblerone. I didn't say you ate all of the Toblerone. I said you ate some of it, which I think we've confirmed as a fact. I ate the tiniest, tiniest bit. All right, cut off. And you'll be pleased to know that's all we've got time for on today's slightly peculiar episode of the Redbox Podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any more of this absolute content gold in the future. And send me an email to complain about us booking 80s puppets to matt at times.radio. But for now, for me, Matt Jolly, it's goodbye. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk.